Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May, and today we have with us Casey Weiss, a certified holistic nutritionist and life coach who lives in Northern California. She runs her practice, Your Case for Wellness, where she offers private and group coaching services. And after almost a decade of struggling with eating disorders and body image issues, she knew that there had to be a better way to approach health. And so this is what propelled her to study nutrition. She focuses on working with women who are ready to stop the yo-yo and finally make peace with food and their bodies. She helps women to learn to eat in a way that promotes overall health as well as weight loss. And she found that what was missing in the health coaching space were coaches and programs that emphasize the importance of mindset and holistic behaviors in tandem with food and exercise. She now coaches women all over the world on how they can truly feel their best from the inside out and stress less about food so they can live their lives to the fullest. Welcome. I'm happy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So um, I always like to get started by having the practitioner, the guest, tell me about their story. So tell me a little bit about your evolution into being um, this uh, coach and nutritionist practitioner. Yeah. So I started this journey way, way back when I was in high school. I was a competitive runner, always surrounded generally by like healthy food, didn't really think much about food in my body until I took a summer community service trip to Ecuador. So this was going into my junior year of high school. And it was the first time I started to notice the people around me not finishing the food on their plate. And I started to question myself, should I be finishing the food on my plate? You know, what what does this mean for me and my body? And I, the as a result, started to make some small changes with with the food I was intaking. And when I came back from this trip, I had lost some weight and I received a lot of notice on my body. And this is coming from an interesting place because I also was late to bloom in general. And so I didn't get a lot of comments on my body, especially in high school. And so when people started noticing, it kind of fueled this negative fire for me to want to control, to want to restrict. So I had years of going down this restriction path, really feeling at war with my body until I got to the point where my body had enough and I started to get really like what I thought were uncontrollable cravings. I started going down this yo-yo dieting cycle rabbit hole where I would feel like I couldn't control myself around food. And then I would go and restrict. And it was this cycle that I kept going on. And that also ensued for years. Eventually though, I realized something had to change and clearly going on a new diet wasn't what's going to be my answer. So I was interested and intrigued by the intuitive eating movement and 
that in of itself really helped me to make better peace with my body, with food. But then I wasn't able to still feel my healthiest. Like, yes, I had a better relationship with food, but I still didn't feel like I had the energy I wanted to. Like my body still felt like I felt as confident in my body as I wanted to. And so when I worked with a holistic practitioner, she really helped me to understand that while yes, I need to embrace food at the same time, understanding what foods will better fuel me for my blood sugar, for my hormones, for my satiety. That is amazing too. And I had gotten over the hump of just fearing foods, right? So it was in a better place to be able to receive that type of information. And so from there, I was able to restore my cycle. I was able to shed excess weight that did not serve me. I was able to achieve a body and maintain it in a way that was actually healthy and be able to enjoy my life, go out to eat, go and travel and not worry and not stress all the time. And with that newfound knowledge and inspiration, I went back, um, just as you said, to get my nutrition certifications, eventually even got a life coaching certification because I noticed how important it was. Like, yes, understanding the nutrition is important, but at the end of the day, what is really, where it really starts is in your head and how you think about yourself and how you think about your body. Yeah, that's so true. And um, that's why I'm really happy to have you on today to really dive into this whole mindset piece, because I, I don't know if it's really spoken about enough. Like we talk and talk and talk about healthy eating and healthy food and intermittent fasting and even, you know, like eating best for, I talk a lot about that for, you know, for blood sugar and because um, I work with a lot of patients and helping them reverse their diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes specifically. but you know, where the struggles come in, usually that all starts in the head. You yes. know, like there is a biological piece with our craving and that's a dopamine cycle. Mm -hmm. But part of even um, training ourselves out of that dopamine cycle comes in with our thoughts, right? Yeah. So how do you help your clients with that? Or like, what's your what's your take from that perspective? Yeah. So what's really important is to understand that there is so much information out there and we can get information overload. Mm -hmm. Also, a lot of times information from people who are not actually based in science. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for another, another conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, is that the, your, your problem, like the per people listening, your problem isn't really a lack of information. It's that you don't know what to do with it. And that you feel so stifled with so much overwhelm and you haven't dealt with a deeper why and deeper issues, so to speak, the root causes. So I work with a lot of women who, you know, they've had moms who put them on diets when they were younger. They were always told, like other people who were told to always clean their plate, other people who only thought of exercise as punishment. I mean, think about all the 90s diet magazines, how they would pick apart women's bodies, teenage mm -hmm. girls' bodies. And that is the culture we were brought up in. So we first need to understand, are we, and create a deeper why of like, are we doing this just because we want to fit a certain mold or is there something greater? And so 90% of the women who come to me want to lose weight and they end up losing weight, but we don't focus on weight. I never ask them their weight. We don't use that as the metric of progress. We think about how their life would ideally look. So yes, that can be putting on an item of clothing and feeling confident in it. But that also involves 
like I, I have, a, I work with a lot of moms as well. So like, I want to have energy to keep up with my kids. Uh, you know, I want to feel like when I'm at work, I'm not thinking about lunch all the time and thinking about food and stressed and stressed about it. Um, I find so often women who come to me are like self-proclaimed type A perfectionists and they like wear it like a badge of honor. And that's what our society does. It's like you wear as a badge of honor, being perfectious, being like so meticulous, but to what end? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times when you have those types of tendencies, you feel so paralyzed with overwhelm of like, I'm not going to do this perfectly. So where do I even start? Or you do start and things don't go perfectly. You know, you start out on your diet, you're doing well, you're getting your salad and your chicken and your Tupperware every day and whatnot. And then by Friday, you are so sick of it. You throw in the towel and the weekend, you're like, what's even the point? I'll start again on Monday. And so we get into that all or nothing cycle too. Mm-hmm. So understanding like certain cognitive distortions, even like, you know, like the, the all or nothing mindset, um, and being able to recognize these patterns is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do with my clients is have them start doing thought downloads first thing mm-hmm. in the morning. Because, you know, like even when we're like looking in the mirror, brushing our teeth or washing our face, you know, like what is that dialogue going in our going around in our head like what are we saying to ourselves about ourselves yes and just because so much of it like you said starts so young and with the negative self-talk and or the comparison or you know I'm not good enough because I don't look like this or I don't fit into this size or you know any of the thing all those things and so it's really I think you know I really powerful place to start is just even evaluating your own self-talk and Mm -hmm. starting to again like come to it from a place of non-judgment like we we don't do this to give yourself another outlet of beating up on yourself it's a step of awareness so then we can actually come to it with from a place of compassion and love which can be so foreign and trust me like i've been there (laughs) been through it myself which is one of the reasons i teach it and do it because i know how powerful and what a big shift it can create. I love that you say that because also something that you said is not to just quiet all that information that because if you just say, I'm not supposed to have these thoughts, that's not helpful, honestly. Right. <laughs> it's it's okay to sometimes have th- thoughts that like I'm not good enough or I'm fat. Like I, I don't want anyone to have these thoughts, but to just say like I can't have those thoughts is not helpful. What we have to understand though is that we can then choose which thoughts that we put weight to. We can choose what thoughts we want to continue to think. So one practice that I will say, and I'm, I'm, I bet you do a very similar thing. You, when, when you have a thought that comes up, you can label that as old you thinking. Mm-hmm. So you can say like, that's old Casey, like what thoughts. New Casey thinks this way. So you're able to redirect. So you're not saying, I, I can't believe I have these thoughts or getting mad at yourself because then again, that perpetuates that cycle. It's like when we overeat, the worst thing that you can do about after overeating is to get mad at yourself. And you're like, well, I thought I'm supposed to do that because in our culture, in our society, when we're, when we do something bad, we're punished even more. So we do something, we feel guilty for them. We're punished even more. Of course, I'm not saying how people should raise their children. And then there's obviously a time and place for punishment, mm-hmm. but at the same time, 
we then take those same concepts and put them on ourselves. So we overeat. We feel like crap about ourselves for overeating. We already feel in our stomach, in our head, in our whole body, we feel like crap. And then we fight. We think I should punish myself even more. I should get even more mad about myself. I should have more shame and guilt about it. And then what happens? We feel even crappier. And what happens when you feel like crap and you don't have energy and you're sad? You probably turn to food again. Mm-hmm. So we create this cycle and the same kind of thing goes with our thoughts, right? It's And obviously those thoughts are correlated with that overeating behavior. So as I said, as I said, what I really loved how you said, like the thoughts and how we then choose to then think about those thoughts, how we take them from there versus trying to control our thoughts. You are never going to control your thoughts. Right. But being aware of them is a completely different perspective. Totally. Yeah. And approach. And so, and then from there, I like to ask my clients, okay, well, when you're thinking those thoughts, how do you feel? Yeah. And so then they start to associate with, oh, I understand now that my thoughts are creating my feelings. And if I don't like the way I feel, then I can choose a different thought, you know, and just start to, again, like just create this um, sort of um, like downstream effect of awareness. You can try on a thought, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can try mm-hmm. on say, okay, I don't know necessarily what I can think, but I can try it. So this, and I do this a lot with clients too, and they can be really uncomfortable at first, but you know, you may not try on the thought that you feel like you're beautiful. First of all, we also want, it's always really important that we choose to orient ourselves mentally towards not just physical, but also internal goals. So, but that doesn't mean that we can't also say, like, talk about our early appearance because that's silly. That's okay to be a motivator. Mm-hmm. That can't be the only thing. That can't be like the main driver. So, we can maybe you go looking in the mirror and saying, I am beautiful. I have the perfect body is definitely too much for you. But can you think of something small? Can you think of something internal? Is there what thing is this a little bit more than what you would say in terms of complimenting yourself? Makes you a little uncomfortable. But isn't something you're like, I definitely can't believe that. Because <laughs> that's not going to mm-hmm. be helpful either. If you're just like, I have everything perfect all the time and everything, like for some people that can work and that whole manifestation technique can work to in that end. And I do think there's totally a time and place for that too. And, and it really just it really depends on, on how you function. But for a lot of people who are trying to get into the space of seeing and believing what is possible, the reason why it hasn't worked for you is because you've seen the idea of manifesting and everyone's saying, like, I get my dream job just by saying it in the mirror versus how can we be able to think about our thoughts and just try to make them 1% more positive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, traveling up that scale of emotion, um, the scale of consciousness, you know, however you want to talk about it, whether it's like from the perspective of like Abraham Hicks or, you know, um, I think it's. Dr. David Hawkins or Hamilton. I always get those two mixed up. (laughs) But the point is, is that you can't go from like judgment and, um, and just like really beating up on yourself to Mm -hmm. complete joy and enlightenment. You can't like jump from one to the other. There's steps in between. And so it's, I, I love that you brought that up too, because, you know, it's about, setting ourselves up for success. Mm -hmm. And again, like when we just expect ourselves to be able to be like, well, why am I not happy all the time? You know, um, 
I think that's like sort of an unrealistic expectation. We're, we're humans. We live on a planet of polarity and that's cool. And so we just, you know, like we want to be happy as much as possible, but we have to understand that a hundred percent happiness all the time is just not realistic. Um, and, and that's okay. Again, like being at a place of acceptance with that. Um, and then, uh, you use the word perfect. And I think a lot of, uh, women struggle with this perfectionism Mm -hmm. and perfectionist tendencies, but even just asking yourself the question, like, what does perfect look like to me? You know, or like maybe defining your own definition of perfection versus, you know, like maybe you've been setting yourself up for this vision of perfection that's not even yours. You know, like maybe you set it up based on like what your mother told you was perfect, you know, like 20 years ago, whatever. (laughs) So, you know, even just evaluating that concept of perfect and how that fits into your life. That is so true how we very often use other people's definition for a success for um Mm -hmm. and it makes sense because growing up that's what we were supposed to use like you had your parents you had your teachers telling you if you did a good job or not you submitted the paper and someone else told you if you got the a b c and it wasn't just the if it was a true false and like obvious what was not like even with your essays you know like someone else decided that and so it's no wonder why we externally look for validation in so many ways we externally look for validation we externally look for guidance that doesn't always have to be a bad thing i actually was just talking about some instagram yesterday how we that is how most of us are oriented because that's like the side society we were brought up in so instead of saying i'm going to change all because that's how we're oriented how can we work with that it is why we are often though so drawn to diets because it's some type of structure and that can feel safe because it feels safer for us to have these rules and guidelines. Yeah. However, how can we be able to challenge that? So instead of being like, I'm on a diet plan, I'm on a meal plan, I have to count all my calories, I have to fit this amount of macros or whatever, we need to find safety instruction in a different way. So sometimes it's like working with a coach who is an expert or working with practitioner, right? Working with someone who can give you that sense of safety so you can still be able to explore. Obviously there's certain practitioners who would maybe go the traditional diet route. We're talking about people who, (laughs) but there's a way that you can be able to get that guidance. I mean, think about just traditional therapy too, where you're able to be given a safe container, but still be able to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and let's even just talk about that word diet. Unfortunately, you know, like the definition of diet is just a style of eating really, you know, but it's been given by society, this uh, definition of like a short term thing that we do to create a, you know, change in a certain time container. And then, you know, like once we reach the end of that time container, then we stop or, Mm -hmm. you know, like we go back. And so that's one of the things that I find Um, even with my clients that I'm working with them, like reversing diabetes is Mm -hmm. changing that perspective and saying, okay, this is a lifestyle change. We are shifting, we're shifting to where you we're creating this knowledge base and this habit base so that when you are, leave me, you're done with me, you can 
progress forward. Yeah, I'm like clapping. I don't know if this is video <laughs> recorded too. Or okay. But I'm literally because it's like I hear lifestyle so often. I say it too. And it's really hard to avoid it. And like it's something we understand. But yes, so that they can work with us and then move on and have the skills. If you yeah. need to keep it, just like when you say the diet works, why do you have to keep coming back to it? Why do you have to keep ordering that Jenny Craig meal or whatever it is, right. right? If you have the proper skills, if it really works, of course, there's practices and principles you have to come back to, but you, you shouldn't, yeah, you, you shouldn't be caught in this spiral continuously. Right. And, and I even, you know, for my one-on-one -on -one clients, I work in this 90 day, 90 day container. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially like when we're reversing type two diabetes, it can be, you know, a lot of things that at the time probably seem like short lived or short term. But again, I, I continuously remind them through that process of, okay, we're building a foundation. This is going to carry you forward when we're done. So this is not something that you will ever stop doing, but we're also building metabolic flexibility, which I don't think we really talk about enough in the nutrition world. Yeah. We talk about intermittent fasting and paleo and keto and anti-inflammatory and vegan and vegetarian, all the things, dairy, you know, all the things <laughs> that gets beaten like a constant drum. But what yeah. we don't talk about is metabolic flexibility, which is, I think, also what you're referring to is like when you can say when you can go out to eat and you can enjoy yourself, but you know that what you're coming, you know, you have a treat or a splurge or whatever you want to call it, but you're coming back to your base, your foundation of, you know, whole foods, clean meats, if you're a meat eater, you know, whatever your, you know, most healthy picture looks like, because again, it's, it's different for everyone. There is no one size fits all, uh, you know, diet eating plans out there. So, and you know, that should evolve too. like, I'm sure a lot of women come to you with a lot of inflammation. And as we heal that inflammation, a lot of times we want to eliminate the things causing the inflammation, but then we also want to be able to reintroduce them. And so yes. that's something telling people too, is like this, this is a period of, um, again, awareness, dampening down inflammation. I don't like to call it a diet. I, you know, like anything like that, because again, it's a tool. So if they find themselves back in this phase later on in life of inflammation, they know what they can do to come back and to help themselves. So anyway, that's my, my thought about that. And <laughs> well, also that's something that's also important because there's so much talk about gut health, which is definitely something that I focus on in my practice as well. But there's as with that is so much like eliminate this, eliminate that, eliminate that. And there's totally is a time and place to eliminate. But then if you were working with someone who's just saying to eliminate and they don't talk about reintroduction, red mm -hmm. flag, mm -hmm. red flag. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, that is probably one of the biggest questions that comes up because I oh, do really? food, food sensitivity testing. And so like my clients get their report back and they see, you know, sometimes a lot of things in the red and like their mind is swirling like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to have these things that I love again. And like, no, 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 that's not true. Yeah, We just need to go through a little period of healing. Let's do a detox protocol. And then, you know, once we've done this container, then we mm -hmm. will start reintroducing. And it's amazing. Even within like, I would say a period of a week to two weeks, how much better people can start feeling when they eliminate what is causing their inflammation. And because it also I think 
we we started this conversation by talking about mind body a little bit and we haven't yeah. really talked about it that much but when you start to feel better physically then i think that also gives you the space to start shifting your mindset so like it's sort of like chicken or egg like which is first body feeling better or mindset shift mm -hmm. you know you can come at it from either direction but i think you know um people sort of start to give themselves that permission if they're seeing and feeling physically better and different absolutely the thing is is that even if you are focused on like even if you can weigh yourself and really have no judgment about it the scale is meant to fluctuate now not fluctuate crazy amounts like i don't think there is weight cycling that has been normalized to some degree that is not healthy because that can be signs, certain signs of inflammation or just yo-yo dieting in general. Mm -hmm. But obviously, like within a certain range, totally like fluctuations should be happening, especially women with our, our hormonal changes, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is just so not motivating to see every day. And then what this is what happens. So you either feel like you've been doing so well, you weigh yourself and the scale has gone up, what do you end up doing? Wanting to self-soothe. A lot of times that means self-sabotaging behaviors, overeating, negative self-talk, not then doing the workout because what's the point? Or maybe you your weight is the same as it was and it's kind of the same thing. You're like, I did all this work and it's the same. Or you lost weight. What I often see is the moral licensing of people saying, oh, well, I lost weight. I did this. Well, then I guess I won't meal prep for tomorrow. I guess I will miss the workout. And of course, we want to like live a life where we aren't rigid, but we shouldn't be using our scale weight as like the go, the go or no go for the activities that we are going to do. And so by can we weigh ourselves? Sure. But we shouldn't be weighing ourselves constantly. And mm -hmm. we also need to come up with better and more holistic metrics of health. Because if we can focus on like, first of all, even if you want to be a very physical metric, I would say I recommend much more picking a piece of clothing and seeing it's how it's fitting on your body versus weighing yourself. Because a lot of the women that I work with end up, you know, doing more strength training and whatnot. And they, their, their body composition changes in a way that's very positive and also for longevity is very positive. Mm -hmm. But you don't, your weight may stay the same, but also, um, I think about other things like how, how am I sleeping? Like what is even your skin clearing because of certain inflammation going down and just mm -hmm. foods that you are eating. How does my partner feel about a relationship? How do I feel about a relationship because of the way that it's changing because you feel better. And so then your, your output is different. Like just focusing on other ways that we can measure our success is so crucial. I, I cannot, I cannot say it enough. Right. And I think that's, again, like a good, I think a sign of a good coach in general is having those periodic check-ins with yeah. the whole, you know, um, some people use a wheel, uh, you know, there's different like visuals, but I know exactly you know, what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like <that> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good, and you know, because like before I even like started my coaching training way back in the day, I'd never even thought about evaluating like periodically and checking in and like sort of rating it on a scale of like zero to 10, mm -hmm. zero being low, 10 being like hundred percent awesome. And it's just a good way for you to even, you know, follow along with, okay, where am I? 
And again, no judgment, just being like, okay, well, if I'm not feeling as great or confident in this one area of my life, whether it's career, relationship, money, health, whatever, then, you know, what do I need to bring more in? You know, what, what can I bring in more to help bring this number up that I'm giving it or this, you know, evaluation? Yeah. Cool. So tell me. Um, okay. Oh, are we frozen? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, let's see. How do you encourage your clients to have that balance between um, physical movement and food? Because um, I know, like, I'm an athlete as well. And I think for those of us that were especially, you know, raised as athletes through childhood and adolescence, Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot easier for us to incorporate uh, exercise and movement versus those that didn't or weren't, you know, didn't have that experience growing up. And so, um, you know, I've often find that found that to be a challenge as a coach is to like help my clients build a movement practice from a place with like really no previous habitual, you know, um, commitment to that movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you really need to evaluate where you are mm-hmm. and there's not no judgment there. Right. And if you're at a lower place, if you're not as fit, that's freaking awesome. There's so much more we can do. <laughs> um, so I actually have a client who is, absolutely phenomenal. She wasn't working out at all when we started working together. And one thing that we has been really helpful is we started having her do classes because then she could make sure that she was getting proper form checked. I will say, you know, doing at home videos and whatnot can be really accessible. And I think that to start out really focusing on foundational exercises. So really focusing on things, what can be really great for people are things like Pilates um, that are really core based, um, but also really building your and core isn't just your abs, everyone. Like this is your whole like foundation. And so really building up on that. Also, they don't require high weight, which is really helpful for people trying to get started with that. But I would say if you are able to going to in person a class to be able to see other people get some feedback is very helpful from form because we can hurt ourselves um, through exercise. Mm-hmm. I also say walking every single day and it doesn't have to be 10,000 steps every day. It doesn't have to be a certain amount of number. Can we have can having um, steps be helpful? Yeah, people people love that. I think that's awesome. But it doesn't have to be what we're what we're using as the the metric but getting in low impact cardio movement now i'm saying this as someone who's previously a marathon runner so i understand like and i was intense i ran boston marathon like i and qualified and qualified again like i understand being intense but i will say as i did notice negatives in when i was treating my body with not the bright kindness and doing too much cardio and not balancing it otherwise. So there's also really great ways of marathon training that don't involve as much even running and really focusing on full body training too. But in general, I'm sure that most people are listening to this aren't like, okay, I'm jumping into marathon training. Not This is not a marathon training podcast specifically, but I would say <laughs> focusing on full body, making sure you're getting a balance of cardiovascular activity, which again, that includes walking as well as getting 
getting in strength-based movement, which again, I would say starting with something like Pilates um, or maybe a yoga that's a little bit more strength focused and then building up from there so you can gain more confidence because at the end of the day, what's going to help you to stick with it is feeling the motivation and feeling the motivation you will feel a lot more if you are able to have more confidence in what you're doing. If you just running into the weight room at the gym, you have no idea what to do. Yeah, you're going to probably feel really lost and scared even and not know where to start and therefore not start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other thing that I like to focus on um, is finding something that you enjoy. Like, oh, don't oh, yeah. do something I, I, that, that you feel like it's chore. So if it's like hiking, go for a hike and take yeah. your dog for a walk. Uh, rucking that's something that like since I started hunting I've picked up more on is just walking with a heavy pack and again like I use that word heavy very relatively because you can start with a five pound weight in your pack and work your way up to as heavy as you want you know Um, and even that is considered a um, a weight-based exercise which for women is really good for bone density and you know especially as we get older it's so important for us to be doing weight bearing exercise so weight bearing can be weightlifting rucking uh you know something like that so you're carrying a load uh that's more than just your body weight um so i think that's really important but yeah like always start like find something that you enjoy go for a swim i don't know go for an outdoors like an open water swim or absolutely Yeah, join like a community club team of some sort with soccer, or softball, or volleyball, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and find and find community. Finding community is so key, and it's funny you say rocking because my husband just read the book Outlive, and they talk about rocking, and he's like, "I need to get into rocking." It's like it's so like you can you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, um, but it is really also crucial if we can find ways to have activity in just daily activities. Like you said, for example, on the weekends, I i mean, I live in California, so, and I live in Northern California, so I'm very lucky to have access to great hiking trails um, within walking distance of my house. But that does, so I, with friends, like that's an activity we do on the weekend. We go and mm-hmm. we go hiking or people love playing pickleball, right? Or whether it's activity like that, finding ways that you can be in your lifestyle versus just thinking of working out as working out. That's a big thing in America in particular is we think a workout is that 30 to 60 minute workout and then we're done and then we just sit on our butt all day. And so <laughs> that's why sometimes it's much, much better to actually have less intensity. And I love to like intense, whether it's like even weightlifting or sprint sessions or whatever, but what's really i noticed the biggest change for me and with clients as well is when we're able to find movement general movement throughout the day it's also better for our blood sugar better for our cortisol levels if we can be able to implement that in a way that doesn't feel like exercise you're going to be moving your body a lot more and you're going to be a lot happier because of it yeah yeah like you mentioned sort of that um, ten thousand step marker that a lot of people use as the mm-hmm. sort of gauge like am I getting enough movement but even just breaking that up so like maybe go for like a 10 minute walk first thing in the morning with your dog or like right after your breakfast like creating just that little bit of time 10 minutes whatever before you go to work and then you know like try to get up periodically from your desk at work and maybe walk around the building walk up and down the hall maybe find a stairwell go up and down some stairs for a minute and then on your lunch break maybe walk a little more so 
So you're breaking it up and you're, you know, you're merging it in, like you said, throughout the whole day. And so that even on those days where you literally don't have time to commit to a gym workout, you're still getting movement and your body is still participating in those, in that natural thing that it's evolutionarily supposed to, you Mm -hmm. know, like evolutionarily, we were not meant to just sit. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So uh, like tell everyone where they can find you and how they can work with you. Yeah. So first of all, thanks so much for having me. I knew that we had synergies and like talking about like the, I feel like I could finish your sentences. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, I am as I said, a holistic nutritionist. And so I work with clients mostly in the one-on-one setting. So I have a couple spots open right now for private coaching. And I work in a three-month container to help to work on your specific health goals, very customized, getting messaging access to me, really being there to hold, like, handhold you and support you along the way. I also have a program called Healthier Together, where in the small groups of your choosing, we kind of have that private, it's almost like when you do semi-private, uh, training at at the gym. So you're able to get the benefit of getting the accountability and support of people like you get to pick your own small group, um, Mm. but also being able to have it still within like a semi-private setting, still getting customization from me. And we get that one-on-one FaceTime, which is awesome. I have also courses so that you can purchase, whether it's my wellness kickstart course. Um, I also have a pregnancy fitness and nutrition course that I made with my dear friend who is a pre and postnatal fitness specialist. So lots of different options and always new things coming out around the corner. So if you want to check me out, I'm your case for wellness on Instagram. That's like the best way to find me and DM me. And I will leave, give you um, a link that your listeners can access with my nutrition bundle, which is a three, a, a video of my three top nutrition tips and my stop overeating workbook. Oh, cool. Perfect. Yeah. Make sure you shoot that over to me. I will. I will. (laughs) Yeah. It'll live on our show notes page and all of our show notes are at drlaramay.com forward slash podcasts. That's where all of the shows. So if like you don't, for some reason, can't find us on all the amazing platforms out there, we're literally everywhere. Amazon Prime and Alexa and Siri and all the things, all the things, all the things. things. Uh, There is a show notes page, which is where we have our links, Um, usually like a little summary, a bio, and then also like, you know, websites and um, Instagram, all the social handles too, for all of our um, guest speakers. So definitely head on over to there to find out, you know, again, how to get in touch with Casey and work with her. And thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we finish up? Yeah, I just think it's really important for us to not be so hard on ourselves in our journey, but also to recognize that some people can make it seem so easy. Like, oh, you can just listen to your body and be intuitive. And there are some people that can just do that. And that's great. I know I wasn't one of them. It took a lot of time and a lot of work and you are worth working on. You deserve to feel confident in your body. You deserve to feel healthy without having to track calories and macros, but you also should be able to feel healthy in your body. And I feel like a lot of what's online is either like, don't diet and don't care or extremes of only thinking about our body and 
counting calories or whatever it may be. And there really is, it's it's not like this is necessarily as sexy or as easily marketed, but there really is a middle ground there where you can be able to take care of your body and your mental health while also focusing on your physical health and appearance as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what I want women to know, that there's nothing wrong with potentially wanting to change your appearance, but there needs to be a bigger why. And we need to do it from a place of health, not from a place of hate. Yes. Beautiful. Amen. Well, thank you so much. And uh, like I said, everybody go to drlaramay.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes to get in touch with Casey and follow her on Instagram, which again, say your handle again, one more time. Your case. So like Casey, but without the why your case for wellness. Excellent. Awesome. So, all right. Thank you everybody. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you.